This is happening. Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome to a very special episode of Read It and Weep, a podcast about movies and friendship. This is a special season five bonus episode. What happens is sometimes a topic is so important, so topical, so crucial to our conversation that it rises up and takes over the schedule. Also sometimes, and or sometimes, Hunter's Thanksgiving travel plans change on short notice and he's in a car now and can't record it, so we had to pull an audible and talk about something else that he wouldn't be offended about us talking about without him. So this week, we're doing a very special episode about Andor. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording, as always, from North Koreatown, Los Angeles. And I'm joined by a very special panel. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez. Part two on Twitter, he's in Southeast Portland. And I think his name is Anthony, but no one gives us their real name around here. It's Anthony Lopez. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, It's been a long time since I've watched... Uh, just the first episodes you guys watched, and I don't want to spoil something because uh, I don't remember what's in the first three episodes, <laughs> what's in the fourth episodes. Right. So there's a lot of great quotes and jokes I could make for this, but I'm afraid I would ruin something. I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll help you out with this. If something interesting happened, it was probably after episode three. Ooh, ooh. I see how it is, Alex. Oh, also, we should just yeah, find out. We, just tell us what the last thing is that happened. I think that would be helpful as like as a backstop. Yeah. We will. We will. I will. Oh, okay. So, well, also joining us today, he's in Northern California, and he's so proud of himself. He's so fat and satisfied. It's Ezra Fox. <laughs> I also don't remember this reference. Uh, that was about uh, the whole empire. No, that's just an insult. That's just oh. insane. That to you. <laughs> it's really fucked up. Uh, oh, I don't okay, know yeah, yeah. Steal from? I can't imagine that you'd ever steal from me, Alex. Yeah, I can't I even your food. You just you're just gonna walk in though and do it. There you go. You caught up. Also, right. uh, joining us is nobody else. That's it. That's the whole panel. We Hunters did it. in a car somewhere driving to Thanksgiving. Before we start I mean, the show, Alex, though, question: Do do you not like this? Because when soon as cereal came on the screen, the little like fascist bootlicker boy who loves following the rules and really hates <laughs> that people <laughs> aren't doing their paperwork. You were like, you were like, oh my god, it was cute. You're like, oh my god, that's who I would be in the Star Wars universe. I would Look, absolutely I, be the guy who was like, you are not crossing your I's and dotting your T's. There I are rules that you need to follow. Yeah. Them. Guys need to be I'm, better fascists. Obviously, that guy sucks, and I'm anti-fascist, but I will say it's cute that he tailored his own uniform, and it's a little weird that our hero murdered someone in cold blood. So it's a weird opening for us like caring about people. Oh, wait, just well, wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah? It wasn't in cold blood. That was to cover his tracks for a very justifiable murder. I think that's still good. <laughs> yeah. okay. I think it's still cold yeah. blood if you've mm. already finished. The guy's like, hey, we can get away with this. And you're like, nah, there's yeah. no risk. Dead man well, tell no tales. Blam. It's in one the of face. my, I think that's like a very horrifying thing in real life. But it's one of those like movie and TV <laughs> tropes right. that like gets me so fucking hyped. Like, you know, like it, the opening of Heat opens the same way, right? When they're like, they're robbing the armored vehicle. The one psychopath guy kills one cop. And the other two characters, without even thinking or saying anything, just execute everyone else. Yeah. And it's it's that like, look, you've already killed one. It makes no difference if you kill oh, the other. Oh, this is like the Pringles defense? Well, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's the like... There is the literally Pringles defense for mass murder. There is literally issue no here, difference. Anthony, is you sound a little fascist just on the other side of fascist. 
No. Like this no. is how this is where the good guys become fascists. You have to be better than them. You have to not execute people. N- no, no, fuck that. Okay. Fuck that noise. <laughs> Just, no. First off, we I would really wish you guys could keep watching the show because this is exactly well, I, the, what the show was dealing along. with. I'm further along. Okay. So. This is exactly what the themes that the show the show deals with so excellently. Look, all um, I'm saying is you assigned me three episodes. I watched four because I was like, surely something will start happening if I because it feels like the end of three is like now stuff is going to turn up. And they were like, let's take it down a notch again. Let's rebuild. Let's chill. Well, Everybody chill. I mean, this show. I love the reason I love it so much is that well, it we gotta get we got other stuff to do. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this first before we start oh, so talking you about can Star just Wars. Talk shit and then just be like, no, we'll come back to it. <laughs> yes, that's the whole. I get to knife. throw in little barbs and then do the rest of the script before no. we start the show. I'd like to thank all of our fabulous meat buddies who support our our show, um, despite ample evidence to the contrary that they should not be doing that. Um, especially today, I want to thank Brandon whose name is spelled like it might be Brandon, and I just don't know. What does that mean? B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N? Do you guys know how to say this? That is an odd spelling. Wait, no. Oh, I would maybe... Oh, man. Yeah, right? Brandon. Brandon. Brandon? Brandon? I don't know. We've got lots of options. What if he's just like very... I reached out too close to Showtime asking for a clarification. What if We're it's just like very Irish and it's just like Brendan? I know? assume that that's what it is, that it's like an Irish spelling. Okay, um, wait. You know, this is Googleable. Just. I don't know. Is Does Brendan answer Googles? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I mean, just as in you can at least do like the YouTube of like how to pronounce how to pronounce this name. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, YouTube might have a guess, but I don't know if that's how. Brandon does it. Um, anyway, oh, B. Well, uh, YouTube says it's Brandon. Oh, no. Brandon. That's not even an extra letter. That's the wrong letters that they're I'm, fixing. Well, no, well, well, the, well, look, the A had a slashy on this one. I'm not sure if, if like, it had oh, a Oh, man. Anyway, we're going to call you B. B from NC, who's our uh, meet buddy of the day, and we'll come back. We'll hear more BNC, about BNC, like you're a droid. I like <laughs> you, it. You two can donate and have us butcher your name for five minutes. Uh, look, it's been max minute and a half. We could keep going if you want. I don't think B B is not a high enough meat buddy level for us to continue mispronouncing their name for yeah. this month, ne- this long. Next next week, we're just gonna be like, we want to thank. Um, I think it's Stephen or Stefan. I don't know. I can't really spell it. <laughs> Stovetop. Anyway, if you want to join me and help, if you want to get this kind of an intro and help support our show, you can keep the show limping down the tracks by going to Metreon.com. And we really appreciate everybody who supports the show. Okay, before we talk about Star Wars, let's talk about segment one, the news. Ezra, what is happening in Donut oh, News this week? I hope you guys are getting ready to be grateful because that's mm. what my donuts want me to do right now. Um, it's that time. Yeah, so we have to share uh, <laughs> We have to share share your thanks in so many ways with this offer, M-I-N-I, mini. So... So get many ways, many okay. ways, so many ways. So we are still doing Thanksgiving mini pie donuts, um, and mm. people like that. And so um, <laughs> you're going to be giving uh, these mini pie donuts um, to people, and that's how. Um, yeah, that's how it's I happening. did not also, expect to do this for a non-sponsored thing in the show, but you've kind of made me feel like this is a fun newsletter to get, and I, I do not <laughs> like their donuts. But just a donut newsletter to be like, here's a holiday mashed up you know, with a donut. 
Oh, I, I feel like there was real news when we started this in here, well, and that's well, slowly been taken no, over by the Ancient News also. segment is the ethos of the news segment. Yeah, no matter what I do, you don't like it. <laughs> um, I should say also, uh, this is important. Whatever uh, pumpkins are, it's ending. So oh, we're done with mm. pumpkins. Uh, just, uh, tomorrow, yeah. As of the 24th, mm. no more pumpkin spice lattes. You guys Grab feel like, I feel like pumpkin as a flavor is overperforming. Do you guys? Um, I, I feel yeah, like it's shot the moon be... the last few years, and as a flavor, it's okay. Well, I, I mean, it's great marketing, but I think like I, I, you get a pumpkin spice deficiency throughout your in your body throughout most of the year, and then you yes. you, you build it up, and then you're good for a while, and that's how stuffing yeah, is for me. Also, that's the thing I don't understand about people who complain about pumpkin is like. Dude, it's like three months out of the fucking year. Grow up, all right? Like, stop. I'm not people mad. To, I'm just no, saying. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying yeah, you. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying I hear people all the time going off about like oh, this fucking pumpkin shit is everywhere, and it's like, dude, it dude, is. So you when you like we, we shop a lot of Trader Joe's of and Trader Joe's it, Trader Joe's whole th- philosophy is they find a flavor and then they try to ruin it for you. So there is just a day, but they're like they're like. The shampoo is now pumpkin, and the shelving units are made out of pumpkin. And uh, if you like ravioli, that is made of it's pumpkin on the inside, okay. and it's a pumpkin noodle on the so outside. Here's the thing: you don't want it at some points, but because well, you hit your max. But like, I would be interested to try some of these with their um, everything bagel stuff, right? Like, what's what's the everything bagel ravioli? Like, what's well, everything so, bagel? Okay, so they have been slowly rolling out everything but the bagel flavors of everything. There's a everything but the bagel uh, seasoning chips. They yeah. just they find a flavor. They're like, oh man, cookie butter was great now we have cookies made of cookie butter and i just feel like that is too many level to imagine the way the cookie must feel that it was made into a cookie crushed into a butter and then spread it on another cookie it's just insulting the co- that it feels like a vendetta more but than a, a i wasn't cooking enough for you the first time get the cookie <laughs> it's it feels kind of mean i just think that pumpkin i would just say overall like I just my theory is we've overcorrected on how much people want pumpkin, well, and I think it's going to fade the next few gonna years. It's going to be all mint for the next like you know like m- couple months, and then you can you, you'll that's, miss your pumpkins. You'll miss your pumpkin true. when everything's well, somebody, green. Somebody got a really good deal on pumpkin like eight <laughs> years ago, and yeah, we're yeah, yeah. still feeling the ramifications. Yep. Of that, right? Yeah. It's like the way fajitas were made because that steak was really cheap. I feel like we just, we were like, wow, pumpkins are basically free. Let's make everything out of it. But yeah, it's, it feels like it, you know, it kind of comes and goes. Some people get very excited for it, some people get very annoyed at it. Um, I mean, I'm in between. I'm just, I just think it's overperforming as a flavor. I think it's fine. I actually, I also think that as a species, one thing that's cute about us is if you tell us something is a limited time, we like it way more. Oh, yeah. Like, people Especially only if- like turkey, roasted turkey on Thanksgiving. No one in March is asking for roasted turkey for dinner. Like, there's a thing about it. Nobody, re- I don't believe anyone thinks the McRib is a great sandwich, but they were just smart enough to put it in the vault for nine months a year. <laughs> like, people just love a time-limited thing. <laughs> I love yeah. this idea of there being only one vault for, like, all the Disney movies and also right. McRibs. <laughs> Yeah. The Little Mermaid and the McRib and Pumpkin are all in the same yeah, vault. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the timeline. Speaking vault. of um, things uh, going into and coming out of the vault, Anthony, you want to do some hard news? It's we're talking about a Disney Plus thing today, so mm-hmm. let's go into the news. Tell me what's going on with the Bobs. Well, okay, first off, I want to say I wasn't criticizing this segment for not having real news. I was saying 
when we started the Krispy Kreme newsletter, yeah. there was oh, real yeah, news in that. I got that. I got that. <laughs> yeah, That's I wasn't criticizing the segment. I was saying, I think the Krispy Kreme editorial team has yeah. really been sleeping on the job. Very and fair. really let marketing take over what used to be a respectable <laughs> journalistic outlet. And I think I, that's a goddamn shame. You're, I think we're seeing it. Right. We're seeing it happening in the Twitter right now. We're seeing yes. it happen in the Krispy Kreme. But like these important media outlets yep. are being snuffed out by big yep. business who just yep. want to sell us shit. And it's it's tragic. Put it's the news back in the Krispy Kreme newsletter. Yeah, newsletter. We all want yeah, it. Exactly. I just think I would love if after they were like celebrate with our grateful mini donuts. Also, did you see about the war in Ukraine? I think that would be a solid Just pitch for the newsletter. Krispy Kreme's man on the ground in Poland trying to find out where that <laughs> rocket came from. Um, and they're just whatever it is they're like you don't want to tell us would you tell us if i gave you well, a, a dozen fresh donuts and yeah i like the idea of a bribery where it's just like you're just like doing one donut at a time though where it's like how about now how about now <laughs> how about now you're just stacking it up what will it take how, how many is this going to take for you to tell us okay anthony now catch us up what bot your your good bob is in bad bob is back out tell us what's oh, going yeah. on with the bob swap bob swap yeah, so Bob Swap, we uh we have a Bob Swap on the field, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty twenty two Bob Swap. Twenty twenty two Bob Swap. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, this is sort of every because all news and entertainment kind of relates back to Disney since they sort of own half of all of it. it. Um, but yeah, so Bob Chappick, who uh, if you have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you have heard me and only me on this podcast mention no my name. No. <laughs> No one else Anthony, he, this is Bob Chappick is Wait. bad Bob. Yeah, Bob Chappick is a bad Bob. He was uh, he, he started running the perks and he used to be kind of OK with it. Uh, Bob Iger, who took over Michael Eisen, Eisner uh, years ago and oversaw. Well, I mean, I don't know if he's good, Bob, but he certainly um, drastically had an effect on his time at Disney. Right. If you look at sort of like the Michael Eisner run to Bob I Iger's run, sort of what he took Disney from like. A, one of the biggest entertainment companies to the biggest entertainment company. And his he did that by, you know, like he tried to make, they tried to make a bunch of original movies and they all bombed. So Bob was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go buy all the movies. That's what right. I'm going to do. I got Disney money. I don't give a shit. You want a Bob buying spree. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know how, how great that is, but you, you can't argue his results with, in terms of like, the, the properties he buys, the way he sort of executed all of them, even though some of them aren't great, um, the way he sort of changed the theme perks and expanded those, built new ones across the world, all this sort of stuff Bob Iger did. Uh, then Bob Chappick took over a few years ago and from day one basically shit the bed. Uh, Bob Chappick is a sort of mean-spirited, incredibly paranoid, petty man who's a real penny pincher. The first thing he did was getting that big lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson. Um, he, nice. You know, massively I'm going to side with ScarJo over any Bob. Yeah. yeah, he massively reduced salary. He turned the amusement perks into the way I've sort of heard it described a lot from you know, amusement park people on the internet and on Twitter and stuff is that he, his philosophy is basically turning the perks into pay-to-win mobile games. They're very <laughs> sort of microtransaction heavy is what they feel like. They're all about catering towards the whales, not yeah. the normal customers. You know, that's why there's like five thousand there's a five thousand dollar shot at the Star Wars theme park, right? Right. It, 
He's just toned. And that the shot is you get to shoot one poor person. Yeah, well, you get they bring in a they bring in a poor person with duct tape over the mask <laughs> mouth and a Greedo mask, and they sit them in front of you. And they're like, you want, "Who's going to Who shoot first? first? We yeah. give yeah. them a gun." Mm. Yeah, and I was like, "No, they they have a gun, but their hands are bound and it's on the side. <laughs> no, they can get you at first. They win. Look, this is the bad Bob, as that's why you're upset. Yeah, this it's the least, I mean, least dangerous game. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like Bob Chapik was the guy at D23 this year. He um he got booed when he came out on stage, which is basically unheard of in a situation like that d23 is nothing but weird disney mega fans and disney yeah, this is, is stands and sick of fans everything people who the like them yeah. Does. yeah and like when like those fans are coming in and booing you um he is basically yeah he's canceled a bunch of great products he's turned pixar from one of the premier um movie studios and production houses to basically a straight to disney plus streaming company like he has completely ruined the way people view Pixar movies. Mm. The first time someone's tried to pay. do that to Pixar, by the way. It's just this time it, it took. Yeah. Um, he has, you know, hurt the brands in a lot of ways. And he also, uh, over the last year, fired everyone he viewed as competition um, within the hierarchy of Disney. Uh, so that's why they had to bring Bob Iger back. I think it's a little. Sh- I think always think it's sad when a company or any kind of team or organization sort of has to go backwards rather than oh, yeah. going forwards. Like I would have appreciated if they could hire somebody new. But I mean, I'm sure Bob Iger's only going to be in the role for a year or two. I'm sure his main job like- is to find a new Bob to run this company. But yeah, that's the, that's the thing. That's we know that's the one thing he's bad at, right? Like he does. Yeah, his thing. Yeah. His tenure at Disney. His worst. <laughs> skill was hiring a replacement so it's let's the, have he's that 0 again. for one but and we do it does feel like because his name is bob allen bob chapik's name is bob allen it does feel like he maybe got blinded by similarity of name and he was an eisner to eiger transition so it feels like he's focused on the name transition <laughs> where will he find find an well, other well, robert think, allen to no, take over the company here's what we learned last name sound likes that's okay i guess that's but true. The that first, works better. The middle name. That's where the issue it is. Just his his handing over the company feels a little bit like uh, uh, John G. Like killed my like, like oh, looking yeah, for the John G. Find another Bob mm. A. Right. He's just got to find another uh, uh, yeah Rob A. to take over. And uh, well, you know there was a third Bob. So what? for a long time the the, the what? Three, yeah for a long time I, I think Krispy Kreme didn't even mention this Bob to me. Got left left around the time that Bob Chapik took over, but for a long time the three heads of Disney were all named Bob, and they were called the Three Bobs, and they were people well, like, yeah, we were meeting were. with the Bobs. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's not great for any big corporation to sort of be, you know, this powerful or whatever. But like, I, I do think no, this that, like, should hundred percent be broken up. This company yes. is insane. It does. It should but, not be allowed to exist like but this. The thing with Bob Chappick is like, I guarantee you, if Bob Iger had still been around, DeSantis would not have pulled that shit in Florida, right? <laughs> like, like I, 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 I'm true. I'm honest. Like yeah, he would yeah, not yeah. have done that to a more established, seasoned person who really better knew, Bob, seemed, a more experienced Bob. Yeah, yeah. It was because. Bob Chapik kind of proved himself to be incompetent and proved himself to be kind of spineless and cheap and not someone who wants to get into fights that DeSantis was able to like pull stuff on Disney between like 
taking away like their weird little fiefdom they run, which is like whatever. But the fact that they tried it, the way he was, he like stared down and Disney backed down on the don't say gay bill stuff, right? Like, yeah, this is all stuff that if you have somebody who like still cares about the bottom line, but like one of the things that Bob Iger is good at is understanding that like Disney as a brand, the idea, the like the cleanliness and the sort of like the spotless record is more important than any like short term game game, mm. right? Like making sure we have a brand that people respect going into the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 50 years or whatever. That is far more important than making money today. And that's why like he has you no know, as a business, which is not the greatest thing, but like Disney has stood up for more progressive causes in certain ways over the past few years, you know, yep. slowly working in like it's kind of annoying how often they are like we are a first queer character or whatever. Right. But at right. least are like trying something like that, which is something you don't see other big animation houses doing, right? Right. Or big studios even doing, right? They are they are sort of like working towards something which i respect and bob chapik seemed to have no interest in and cut the post strings and shut down a bunch of fired a bunch of people like they when the fox mojo a bunch of stuff like blue sky animations was a really really talented animation house made a lot of stuff over the years rather than like in like bringing them in turning them yeah. into a different animation home for disney animation studio for pixar he just laid off the entire studio and fired everyone yeah. there scattered them all to the winds it was just it's a real shame what he's done it's a it was a net loss to like art forms and movies and entertainment and i'm glad he's out and i hope he rots in hell um, okay. well uh, uh i i think he's still alive but speaking of uh pro yeah. uh art products that have been taken over by new daddies Let's talk about Star Wars on Disney Plus in the game. This is segment two. It's not technically the game because we're taking the game off this week. This is a bonus episode. But this week we are talking about Andor, the 2022 American science fiction action adventure television series running on Disney Plus created by Tony Gilroy, who we know on this show oh, yeah. from Michael Clayton, and you may know from the Bourne movies. Um, so if you are into a spy thriller Star Wars thing, this might be your chance. Also, this is in the line of the Baby Yoda series in its design, its look, and its pacing. It's starring Diego Luna. I, that's not true at all. That is Adria Arjona and Stellan Skarsgård um, and a bunch of other people and robots. Um so season one just wrapped up as of this recording, um, but and Ezra and Anthony, I assume, are caught up, but I have only watched four episodes. I'm like halfway through. Oh, okay. yeah, I have, well, watched, I have so, not watched the finale yet. I was going to do that today. Oh, interesting. So you're close to the end as in the middle, and I've watched four out of 11. Um, the first three dropped at the same time and is basically a two hour long pilot for the show. And then uh, I watched episode four to see where it was going to go from there, which is good because now I know there's a heist show in this show. It's a heist show. Took them two hours and 30 minutes to announce that it's a heist show, but they got there. Um, uh, but I will only be able to spoil you through four as we can spoil you through six and uh, Anthony through 10. So let me give you though, my summary, mostly just of the first three, because this is the one that dropped together as a pilot. You should understand this after that. We'll be more cautious about um, spoilers, but here's my patented five point micro summary of the pilot of Andor. Cassian Andor, it's his name, it's not a moon, that's confusing. Anyway, Cassian Andor is a, is a classic Star Wars scoundrel type who does light property crime, all while trying to find his sister at a space brothel. 
where he accidentally, uh, on purpose, uh, executes a couple of mall security guards, triggering the rest of the events of the series. He's also got a bit of an accent because he's from space, Mexico. At first, the uh, people in charge of the Rent-A-Cops don't really care that much because they're busy juking the space stats. But then the foppish one with the extra uh, ribbon detailing on his uniform decides that he he's a bit, I don't know, fascism curious. And um, as soon as the boss walks away from his desk, takes over and sends in a bunch of troops to go find Mr. Andor. Um, so Andor has two choices. He can fight and or flight and decides that he's going to go t- put his luck in with trying to leave with Stellan Skarsgård, um, who shows up and is like, hey, you're a young genius. Let me take you under my wing and we'll do math equations together. And I'll introduce you to my fun friends and get you a job. Um, then his friends, uh, he goes to his friend's moon and they're like doing a space heist, which seems fun. That's as far as I've gotten. And then um, in between all of this, there's a lot of flashbacks because Andor grew up on a planet called Space Lord of the Space Flies. And that's what he's been up to. And that is the show Andor. That's the premise. That's what it is. It's a heist with Stellan Skarsgård and Lord of the Flies flashbacks. Well, Lord of the Flies is like, I think there's just like an indigenous population that was like not exposed, not like a necessarily like a... They're ship. all children. Uh, I mean, that we saw. They, they all left. There's, a whole, there's a whole village run by children and we've seen no adults in that village. Yeah, because all the adults are dead on the planet because the Empire killed them all. This is what I'm assuming. Yeah. This has not happened as of episode four, but yes. I feel like... But also, all... that's it's really not very important to the rest of the plot. I mean, one that's of the things I really felt, like about Despite Andor, it taking up hours of screen time, it did feel like hours. this is it's not like 10 worth... minutes over three episodes. Boy, they drag um, out. I, the, the, my least favorite part was the uh, was the children on the, on the mining planet. It was exhausting. Well, let me get let me get some counterbalance here. Uh, I think this show is incredible. I think we have had a very very incredible year of television. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of really good shows this year. Uh, I think this is one of my top five of the year easily. And it's, like I said, it's been a lot Did of great. Do you stuff. feel that way after the first three episodes? I mean, I was into it, but it definitely is a slow burn. Um, yeah. I think that you comparing it to like the Mandalorian or whatever is. Come really off base, in my opinion. This is mm. definitely much. It's much more slow paced. It's much guess, more methodical. It's much more smarter, better dialogue, and it's not using any of the digital background technology that the man. No, they're like for is. sure in New Zealand for part of it. No, they're in Ink London. Oh, they're in London. Uh, that, that, yeah. that the part that looks like uh, Luke's moon, Luke Luke's hideout island that was near New Zealand. With the no, yes. So, um, I believe most of the show was shot in in the UK around Pinewood. Cla- that does make sense. Wars, There's a lot of like space There's Scottish accents. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, the the scale, the production, the set design, the world building. Um, I I have not watched the this final. This is all episode. very fair. All I'm saying, the, I, my my comparison is from when we talked about this uh, last year, where, where they they made the Space Baby show, and they were like, "Oh, you like chill Star Wars shows? We can chill." And then this is a very chill show. I mean, it I is think a slow, chill show. And I, I don't think it's it's chill. I think it is dealing with again. You you have, you'll get there if you keep watching it. But well, the way so this, this, is, this is why with, I watched four because I watched three and I was like, Anthony has told me repeatedly this is the best show that's ever existed and this is what all Star Wars should be. And you're not the only one. 
And the first three episodes are kind of boring. Not kind of boring. They're pretty boring. And I was like, I'm not going to come on here and be the ignorant one who's bored out of his mind after two hours. So I watched another 40 minutes. And I was like, okay, it's a little better. I see where it might be going. But man, you could have gotten that done in 25. Those three episodes should have been one episode for sure. I, I disagree. Skarsgård not showing up until episode three is pre- is like that is that is a company that is like we have your attention. We know it. We're not going to try to earn it. We don't need to worry well, about you. There's leaving. a reason why they released all three at once, right? Because right, it is they like realized movie, yeah. that was a pilot and no, it was I mean, two that, hours and it should have been forty minutes. No, I don't think they re- they thought it should have been forty minutes. They were happy with the length it is. I really like the slow burn of this show. I like the methodical nature. I like the way that this show is about exploring life under a fascist regime. The way this show is about Super exploring ready for that to start in insurgency and rebellion tactics. The uh, both of the rebellions in an incredible Star Wars way. I think this show is again. I have not seen the final episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to watch that tonight. I'm very excited for it. I think if the final episode lands well, I will feel comfortable saying this is easily the best Star Wars thing Disney has done and maybe one of like the top three Star Wars things ever made. Um, I was not a big fan of Rogue One. I don't like that movie yeah, same. very much. I like um, but I love this show. I think yeah. this show is so incredibly brilliant. Such a well-acted, well-realized drop into the star wars universe and what this show is like really getting at like what this show is actually about once you kind of sort of get through it because like the heist again like i don't really want to spoil anything for you but like i thought the show also at this point was like going to be a heist show the heist is going to happen if it's not then this is unconscionably slow no the heist is going to happen it happens much earlier than you think and then a bunch more stuff happens the way the show like the way it evolves and slowly becomes this this study of like this character and like what it would be like living under there and what it's like to actually build an insurgency to fight a revolution, the cost of that, um, and the way it really asks fascinating questions and sort of like the main thing the show is getting at, like I was saying, is is not that is that revolution and fighting fascist states and. All these things are not won by Luke Skywalker's. They're won by thousands of unnamed heroes who do the right thing or do the wrong thing, but do. Yeah, this is being led again by a person who executed somebody for uh, no good reason. No, there was a good reason. No, yeah, he and, could have just left. And what would have been the advantage? The cops have been behind him by eight minutes. He got he bought himself no time with that man's life. In fact, almost certainly would have been more likely to get away with it if he hadn't been a double I, murder. I, I have a question. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and one, I, I, think, I don't really give a shit about anyone who works for the Empire getting killed. You can execute well, all he of works them. For I the corporate he works for the corporation. He does not work for the Empire. Who works for the Empire? Yes. Well, I I mean I, he's I thought a, that he's was a, one like, thing subcontractor, that was, right? Yeah, that he's a sub subcontractor. Contractor who's uh like uh like harassing people at, at the brothel. Uh this is this is this he's, is not he's, a, he's a douche and that is not punishable by death. I am against murder, and I don't know why I have to be the weird voice who's like, I'm not into murdering. Even fascist. I and I don't mind punching a fascist. You go to a fascist parade, you slap a fascist, great time. I'm <laughs> against murder. Seems like it should be a fairly defensible position um, here. I, and Alex, if- I, I think the thing, like, like, totally can agree with that. Put it aside for a second. 
I think the thing I'm just on the story side that I'm really curious about. Um, did you care about him? And did this feel dangerous to you, I guess? Because I think that's like, if it's a slow burn and it feels dangerous for the first yeah. few episodes, Alex, then you're like, you're, it's tense and you're interested. If you're like, you know what? I don't actually care what happens to this guy. Then that's going to be boring. And so I'm kind of curious, like, where did you get in? Like, were you with the character or not? Because I think that yeah, might Alex, be... Let's, let's put, your, put your knives away for a second. Let's talk. Let's talk about what you enjoy <laughs> here. Because I know you had to enjoy something here. Oh no! It's a really I, good like, droid. Gonna, I'll probably keep watching the show. It's like it's boring, but in a way that I'll do. But I watched it with my wife, and she fell asleep in when she wasn't that tired. Like to spite it, I think she was. She fell asleep out of spite. She was so bored, and I felt responsible for that. So part okay. of it's that. I mean, that, that look the the context in which we watch a thing, we don't always get to talk about that. But that is you know going to be a big a big shift on things as well. That's a part of it. Oh, like, and for me, I watch boring stuff all the time. It's justifiable. But when I'm watching in a group, I'm like this, you will, we should try harder. This should be better. Um, I, I was like cattle. I was looking for thing. I was looking for ways into it. The thing about, about space baby show is that it's like a pretty boring first episode. And then you meet baby Yoda and you're like, oh shit, there's yeah, something going on here. And then it's the rest Wolf of the and show. Cub and, and a Weston combined, right? Yeah. It's like yeah which is super interesting. Pro- to me yeah. and i love i loved that show and i will we'll continue to watch that show when it comes back and i went into this being like i'm done with star wars they've this is this show this franchise has jumped a thousand space sharks this has no business like you you get no more of my time disney you've wasted too much of it i do not care about this universe at all and then everybody said including you this is the best thing that's ever happened so i was like really excited for it and there are a few things like the droids all right the idea that a droid needs to be fully charged to lie hilarious great conceit you really that's very charming the He's droid a is a little bit charming sad boy he uh, makes me very sad the droid yeah they did a good yeah. job making, he, making, yeah, making like, his his front yeah. articulates in a way that makes you sad for this it's, it's, it's sad accordion droid yeah he's he's like really old and has like yeah. droid dementia or something yes. and yeah, they exploit kind of this kind of later dementia. on in the show and it's yeah it's very, he's just got a droid stutter so far because he has like a yeah. slow modem or something. Um, yeah. I do not care about him in the first three episodes. I I think the show only starts when Skarsgård lands. As soon as he mm. gets there, Lutheran. you're like, oh, there's something interesting happening in this world. But to that point, this is just a guy who was looking for his sister who he hasn't seen in like it seems thirty years since he was a, he was pulled off space off this uh, lord of the flies planet mm-hmm. and he's just wandering around asking for her in different places and as far, and the way the show sets up the first three episodes is just like nobody likes him nobody trusts him he's not good at anything yet there's implications he might be good at something but he's done nothing good the only thing redeemable is that he's a really sweet droid and a nice mom who he almost gets killed Everyone all we know is that him. he's done a murder Everybody no, every, likes him. Everybody, everyone, the likes, whole community like, likes him. You owe me money. I hate yeah. you. I can't believe you're not. You're you're screwing me over. You're doing this terrible. Like everyone is like, he must be so charming to win them over, despite how he's treated everybody. Wait, but did, we wait, don't see that. We just see not, he's mistreated people and murdered a person. When him and his buddy like uh, make up like the the lie together, did you not like that scene? Because I I I, I love when a when there's oh like that a, was cute. Um, I did I, I did when, like that. When, yeah, when like his when one last for for friend who was willing to tolerate him. Um, yeah, that was uh, a fun well, yeah. scene. And, you know, like, so being a prequel and sort of like going back to like where he is at the beginning of this and where he is at the beginning of Rogue One, where he is like the most devout rebellion fighter that they have, right? He is their most loyal soldier. He is someone who is willing to die for the cause at the drop of a hat. 
Right. And the way this show takes him as someone who really does not give a shit at this point and does want nothing to do with the rebellion and the way it's slowly showing how he gets from A to B, I think, again, it gets really, really good. But yeah, I do agree that I think the first three episodes are pretty good. I like the world building a lot. I like the design. That's what I said. You can't agree with me by saying that. I didn't say that. No, yeah, Alex, no, I'll agree I, with you. I'm don't saying, say, the point. No, I'm <laughs> saying like, that. I agree with you. It's a great first start of a show. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I, I think this is an argument. Episodes... I'm going to I'm going to use this. I'm going to start doing this to people where I'm like, look, I agree. I think I should have won that point. But if yeah. you want to argue that this yeah. No, I, nope. I'm saying that I agree that the first three episodes I think are a little slow. It gets better. I do think that once Luther Lutheran shows up, played by Stellan Skarsgård, is one of the best characters in all of Star Wars. Once you kind of get, I'm I mean, so glad I watched four because his the thing he does in episode four that he doesn't do in episode three, where he switches clothes and puts on the rings and is oh, a different character. He him, is him oh, yeah. getting ready for that. I loved. Right, it's like a great him, scene. Yeah. Him getting to watch Skarsgård act like this guy getting ready to act as this the other half of his personality is a real yeah. delight. And I, did you get to Mon Mothra yet? Does she show what, up? In what, 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 is she uh, the senator with the Cadillac, the space Cadillac? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah did, you I know did who like that is. The, no right? idea, but I like when the space glades showed up. That was okay, pretty so cute. She's like she's like a key person, like in later stuff. Like if there's um... she is in Return of the Jedi. She is the lady who get has is leading the rebellion. And Pitt oh, okay. says the speech about the Desto plan and how many Bothas had to die for right, us to right. get this information. Right, it's like her right. and like uh, so uh, Akbar, like, is, you know, like doing the briefing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yes, that is Mon Mothra, right? So she is like one of the most important le- characters in Star Wars, um, like sort of lore, right? She's a, a very important rebellion leader. She was a senator before she had to go on the run and like right. is there when the Empire falls at the end. So like we sort of have that context for her. Um, I think that actress is incredible in this show. I had no idea that she has been playing Mon Mothra since Revenge of the Sith. Uh, like mm. George Lucas cast that actress as mm. Mon Mothra for Revenge of the Sith, and then she's played. I think the she character. should be recast then. Um, <laughs> Anytime I get there's there's a moment where they're like in the junkyard and you see some engines and it's like those are pod racing engines. Like get those out of there. I do not need to see anything prequel related. <laughs> I, you promised me this was better. Don't go no. like justifying his decisions now. See, I I, di- I really disagree with that. I think Ugh. that's how we ended up with J.J. Abrams Star Wars movies was because he wanted nothing like lean in. Like you can't undo the prequels. Yes, you so, can. Like lean in to create a cohesive universe. Like just the ignore fact- them. Just do everything else as a cohesive universe and ignore the stupid ones. No, I mean, I think that, like, for a lot of people, that is their Star Wars. Like, like that is goes, their no, universe. No, like, no, no, not justified. Get rid of that. But also, like, you ha- he goes into, into um, he goes into Skarsgård's ship, and it's like, oh, this is clearly, the interior was done by the same company that did the interior of the Falcon. This is in the, I don't the same year as the Millennium Falcon was built, whatever. Like, the design looks like the other things. And then to be like, oh, and then also, we've got all these pod racing pieces lying around. It's like you, you're. It's just. It's embarrassing itself. It's like I, I, you could just not mention it. You I, don't have I'm, to say cancel didn't happen, but just don't use their art. It. They're just using world building. It's cool. You I don't know. Like better hidden Easter eggs. You yeah. don't have to. Yeah, um, Alex. I'm super curious though. Like, just what, like, what is like, what is the good part of Star Wars to you? I guess. Like, like what, like what is the thing? Because I think a lot of people like you know they love a different part of it. I guess. And like when uh, I guess. You know, creators are you know taking the sandbox and like 
So hmm. like, hey, this is the part that I want to emphasize. So I'm kind of curious. Like, what's what's the part that like that does it for you? If there is a part uh, that does that that does it for you for Star Wars. I mean, I know I've never thought about it before, so I'm I'm guessing here. But like, I like a space western. I think that's awesome. And there's mm-hmm. a, like that that vibe is really cool for me. I do like I really like charming droids. That's crucial. They've done that yeah. a lot. And and the fact that they keep coming out with ways to do it, really enjoy that. Whenever there's a new droid, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to meet any the, more. The, droid. the non-human okay, characters are generally uh, are generally pretty fun yeah the the big guy whose job was to stand there and look intimidating but couldn't lie about it was a very charming moment i mm-hmm. like their their non-human stuff's good um i do yeah i like fighting the empire for sure definitely on the anti-empire? side of rebellion An- anti-fascist is the a part that i like about it um i do i like to keep my heroes to be a little bit morally uh cleaner that does help. I like a I like a clean because the because the empire is so cartoonishly evil. Like that the meeting of the boardroom where they're like, "What are we here for? We're here for evil, right? Everybody, look at those uniforms. We're evil. We're doing evil." To have the good guy be like, "Actually, I'm kind of a gray area." It makes that a little bit harder for me. I I don't I liked you know I like a Skywalker purity. Um, yeah, I like you go to a new planet, you discover new quirky characters, and then you do classic Western things. I enjoy those things. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, I, think I that, like when like, Yoda is a baby. How hard is this to understand? The no, no, best no. thing that's ever happened to Star Wars was Yoda as a baby. This one has no baby Yoda in it. No, no Yoda's of any age. I'm gonna say so far. <laughs> make, give me another thing. Is give me R two D two as a baby. Give me a little wait, wait, tiny R two D two. I don't know how that works. Teenage but... Yoda yet? Has anyone gotten this? Teen Yoda. Teenage Mutant oh, Ninja I'm Yoda. I'm sure that's coming, right? I'm sure okay. someone's done it. Yeah. It's kind of taken a while. Well, I didn't like him when he was when he was like young and did flips and shit in the prequels. I like well, that I want him to be very old, old well, or he, very he baby. Was like 800 years old then. Yeah, there's only like on Yoda's timeline in the prequels, he's basically only 30 years older. But when you're 800 years already, right, right, right. But he, he's no. still the same age basically. But I want him to be old and use a cane, or I want him to be a baby eating the last few eggs of an endangered species. That's how mm. I want my Yoda. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's like. One of my things that I really dislike under Disney Star Wars, and like, like I said, we've talked shit about the prequels. My, I have my entire life, but if there's I don't one know, you thing defend that, them like, a lot around me, but anyway, please. If there's one thing that like the Disney things has made me um, actually appreciate and respect about the prequels is that George Lucas tried to go for something with them, right? He didn't execute it, but at least he like each prequel showed you a series of new planets a series of new ideas new creature designs new monsters new pieces of world building right and like the thing that has driven me most insane about disney's star wars run is how everything has been about the same shit that we knew from the originals the same family they're the only characters that can matter. That was and Lucas's everything... whole thing. Was like, there's only one droid in this universe, and he happens to show up over a course of a hundred <laughs> years in every important moment of the universe. It's just, it's just, it's only, it's like a and, yeah, just this Forrest Gump's basically. Um, yeah, exactly, they Forrest yeah. Gumped C3PO into every moment in the history of this galaxy. It's insane. But yeah, but that's not. But he also like showed us new planets. Not everything takes place on Tatooine. Not everything takes place with the same six characters, right? He introduced right. new characters. He introduced new, new stories, new concepts. He didn't just like recycle the stuff we have seen over and over again. And like that's the stuff where like, we, we, like I like the Mandalorian. I didn't like Boba Fett. I didn't like Obi Wan very much. But like all three of their biggest Star Wars shows take place almost exclusively on Tatooine, right? 
and like huge portions of them take place on Tatooine, even if they do go to Mandalorian's on a different planet every day. His whole thing is he goes to a new planet at the beginning of the episode and leaves at the end of the episode. But like 10 of the episodes have involved Tatooine. Like he's constantly coming back to Tatooine. Well, I couldn't remember that Um, because there's too I I hate learning new made up words, but it's just like like that, like shrinking of the universe, making the universe feel so small is the thing that like really bums me out about Disney's take yeah, on the yeah. franchise and and then this uh, and so you're saying the thing that you like about this is that it's going it's a prequel so we learn more about the same guy that we already knew about I, well we I mean, learn more about the universe we learn more we're going to new planets we're seeing new cultures like the way they explore some of these cultures that we see on this show and the places this show goes eventually you're going to get the space florida and it's fucking awesome it's right. so we're just, good. I'm just in the space um, appalachians right now but uh, yeah I think the thing that I like about this, I mean, right, Anthony, you're talking about like a lot of the other movies are shrinking sort of the universe. I think or the galaxy. This one, I feel like is like it's making everything feel overwhelmingly big in a way that's interesting. I think, yeah, where like this is very much like a ground level Star Wars, where it's like this is just like this feels oddly enough like a much more realistic version, I guess, in some way, where it's like we got like some mundane office jobs here, right? Like we got like you yeah. know some people who are like just like easily crushed under the boot of some stuff and i think like for that that's like a it's like huh i did not think it was going to go this way but it's, it's like this is very much ground level like we're not like we don't have like an uh anyone overpowered like there's no force yeah, mentioned. I mean, there's like, nothing like, they're just like oh man i hope i survive why, why i got annoyed when you said like get rid of all the prequel stuff the way this show shows and executes coruscant which is something like it blows my mind that they never came back to coruscant in the sequel trilogy like what a great idea to show a, pl- a planet that's one giant city, uh, which was a huge part of the prequel. Show what that would look like post Luke and Vader, right in the modern. It's a it's a slam dunk to show us what Coruscant would have looked like. Yeah. Um, and the way they so much of the show takes place on Coruscant, and the way they design it as like this Earth Deco concrete hellscape, and like the different classes, and like where Serial Serial lives, and where Mon Mothra lives. Um, and where Luthen has his shop, like just the different layers and depth and design of Coruscant I mean, this is, is what made so the well Star Wars the only good of the new, of the sequel trilogy is that he showed the space industrial complex and the rich people in space and the moral complex complexity of that. Like he did yeah. that really well. And so far, this has not done that for me. It has not done. It has not shown me anything yet in four episodes. This is my only criticism. Is just you should do more in, in in three hours. You should accomplish more than this. I agree with you about the things you like. I just just don't have this kind of time. I yeah, just that ratio is off for you. And I feel like a like in a drama pilot. I've seen a lot of drama one hour pilots that get an incredible amount accomplished. And one thing I expect of them is that at the end of the hour, I have some idea of what the show is. And this feels like, look, you're watching a nine-hour movie. We know you ha- where you're not going to get up. What are you going to do? Leave? And then they're just going to take their time with it. And I, the 40-minute pilot should have gotten us to the point where at the end we're like, and now we know the show we're doing. But I, 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 this is a thing that I think happens a lot in Star Wars universes. They're just like, we know you're not leaving. We own you. This is, it's the Marvel stuff, too. It's a very, the Disney's thing. is like, we know you're not going anywhere. What else are you going to do? And so then they take way mm. too much time, and it's just too slow. But I would I be like, curious. Uh, like, what, it's just what too would slow. This, I'd be curious, like what this would have looked like if it had to be released weekly, right? Like if mm. you, if we weren't is like, it released weekly? Yeah, well, it it is, it, like the, the first three, like you know, they all oh, drop the first three, time, right? It's like as in like like 
what would it look like if they had to have you know, have got like that uh, that episode break mm-hmm. where it's like okay what's the thing that will get you back like that would earn it mm-hmm. I'm, I I I was in for the ride I think like uh, generally like I was um, we didn't have anything else so we were like you know like itching to watch and so it was like okay I, enough people have right. gotten that I'm I've, I'm gonna give it um, and I enjoy I've enjoyed the slow burn to kind of like simmer in it like I don't I'm not binging yeah. this one I'm doing one episode a, like a day so um, yeah, but yeah I mean, like Ezra, again like we you and I can easily say like we know we're right we can look at the consensus of this show this, like this is literally no, I, i'm i'm i got as far like, as i did because i believe you anthony what i'm telling you is no one is saying the first three episodes are the best show on television <laughs> everyone's saying if you watch the whole thing and one thing that does does irritate me in general when people talk about shows is when they're like you just have to get through the first two seasons and then it's amazing yeah like uh, i just fair. there's too much good shows there's too many good shows that i have not seen for someone to be like you just give it two hours Nothing will happen, and then it really takes off. I mean, I don't know. I I think like it's it's kind of the beauty of television is that you can have long form storytelling. Like The Wire, if you watch the first three episodes of The Wire, you're not going to know shit about what's happening. Nothing happens in the scene of The Wire. You're like, holy shit! I want to see everything these people do. And in this, it's like at the end, you're like, end of the third episode, you're like, oh, let's watch stuff. Look, I, I think there's just there's a level of care. There's a level of care and tension that I had throughout. Like, like I'm worried about. I, I'm interested in this dude. I'm worried about him enough that that's that tension. Like, like you know, is enough to carry it through. And if it's like that's not hitting for you for an early part, that's fine. It's like when you try to watch a, uh, a show that doesn't have like music sometimes. Like it's just like, huh, I'm not feeling this way. I'm supposed to, and that's totally valid. What What does he do? What does What does Andor do? What like does a later? day look like for Andor before, like the day before this started? What's his job? What, is, what are his friends like? Cube. What are his hobbies? Who? What does he care about? Does he? What does he do? Who is this guy? To be four hours into a show and not have any clue. I know what he was like as a kid, and mm. I know what he's been like since he did a cold-blooded murder. I know nothing about him. I know nothing. This is I, a prequel well, show. I'm supposed to learn his origin story. I don't know who he is. I. It's just weird. Like um, again, doesn't land for you. It's cool. Like they're I, like, I don't feel oh, like I he have... can fly. He's a pilot. Cool. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. I don't actually feel like I have like great like. This is not like a a, a deeply like um. I don't. We don't feel like we follow his. I think like a uh, perspective so closely that we're like inside his head and know everything he's feeling. I feel like I am like you know a, a touch like at arm's length where it's like we're watching this happen. And there's definitely stuff that that I don't know about him. I think I'm like it's. I feel like I'm invested enough, I guess, whether or not, like I can say like his, uh, his, his team Vogue, uh, um, like favorite color. I'm a hundred times more invested in Bix than I am in him. We saw some emotional range from Bix. We know what she does. We know the risks she's taking. We care about what her mission is. I know, I know so much less. I want to see Skarsgård and his life. I'd like to see Mothman and and her life. I want to like, let's hang out with the Mothman. Let's do it. Mothman. There's so much there's so much that I care about more than him. And I think he's a very charming actor, so I'm fine hanging out with him. And I like a, you know, I like a Han Solo character enough, but I just wanted something to happen so that I could talk about it. And said I'm like, there's nothing mm-hmm. gonna happen in four hours. And so you guys are all just like, boy, it gets good if you give it a week. And that's just so much time. Mm-hmm. Also, they fair, call these- coffee calf now. It's just exhausting. It's <laughs> too much. It's also, also, look. I, again, I hate I hate fascism, and I and I, I don't like cops. Uh, you know, uh, right? A cab for life. However, when he was like, "Well, I did modify my uniform a little bit. I added some epaulet." Like the fact that he's into like sewing on his spare time. I know I liked him in that moment more than I've liked 
the murderer guy the whole time. Uh, look, he's that was a charming moment, wasn't it? I mean, no. look, he's a, I think he's yeah. an interesting dude. Um, like I'm enjoying hanging out with everyone. I I, I want to say like I don't want to belabor the point in terms of the time range. You didn't get like four hours. Like this is like episode one's like forty minutes. Episode two is like yeah. thirty. Minutes. He's talking like, about was, ninety minutes as if it's like three. No, four I watch, hours. I want no the first the pilot is three episodes of forty minutes each, which if I add that up is equal to two hours, and then. I watched another 40-minute episode, so we're clocking at almost three hours. Okay, so not four. That's not wildly. Well, no, no you're no, like no. in the next episode where I'll get close to four hours. That's when stuff's going to happen. I don't I know, mean, man. Some of the episodes if you can't do like... it in three, I'm just not sure why I think you could do it in five. It's said that everybody I mean, else promised it... you're going to start. You like you just switched gears after three hours. See, I again, I just think I think they do a lot in the first three episodes. You're just. But what? So, but yeah. you still like you don't know anything about him. Do we? Did you tell me one thing yeah. Andor does? Yeah, you know he, he owes has, people money. Did he? Did he gamble? Did he? Does he hurt these people? Why? Why does he have no money? What is? His, it, what are his interests? No, what are I, his I hobbies? Think, I think. I think this is. This is. I think this is a split of it. So I think fundamentally, at least, even the first part, right? This was a enjoyable place for Anthony and I to hang out in. And it seems like this wasn't an enjoyable place for you to hang out in. Right? Oh no, it was. I mean, it was. It was fine. It was just. It was. I mean, I well, like no, the Star like, Wars universe. I like being around. I like droids. I like people who steal things. It's nice to hang out in. I just don't. You want them it's to, just to also kind of boring. Mm. Like you have my. Why wouldn't you do something with that? Again, I think they do a lot with it. That's just like. But what did you tell me? One thing that Cassian likes or does or feels or believes. He yeah, wants to he, find his sister. Yeah, yeah, right. Find, Which is a thing that only exists for the first four minutes and then has been dropped entirely he, for the next three hours. He he has a he works with his mom. He has an ex girlfriend that he's still really good friends with. They occasionally steal and sell stuff to survive because they're on a poor backwater planet and they're just trying to get by every day. Like he is somebody who's just trying to like doesn't really believe in anything and is angry and is a young dude living under a fascist state and is like slowly coming to the realization that he's going to believe in something and like understand and like want to like fight for something it's like i, I don't know I like, there are good shows with bad pilots and i am ready to believe that that's what this is but this has just been a boring pilot it's so boring all right we gotta move on right. um oh i do like that the guy with the blue eyes from the bear is there that's exciting i liked when he showed up so it's um, interesting. the brother from the bear who gets stabbed in the butt and he's got those really yeah. piercing blue eyes it's crazy how blue his eyes are He's had a good year between this, the bear, and the dropout. All three of like my favorite shows of this year. Um, I haven't seen the dropout yet. That's interesting. Dropout's yeah, good. good for He's him. Really, really good in that. Um, All right, we have a little bit of business to take care of. So let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about some business. All right. So first of all, I got two emails I want to read. First of all, Jay number one uh, has been going through our back catalog and um, has a lot of feedback from the old days. And I was like, oh, we probably God. can't do anything with that. Um, and uh, no, there was one George Lucas this podcast. You're gonna do the <laughs> Read It and Weep special edition. You're gonna go back through. You're gonna add blinks when there were no <laughs> blinks. You're gonna add people screaming no. Oh, you're man. gonna remaster the podcast. It's gonna be man, a big I hate that I really hate that guy and and I I do think we should probably have put this thing to bed to punish him for ruining it. But um that's the thing that I was feeling with watching the show was like I would rather this show not be connected to Star Wars. Why couldn't this just be a space show? Because does this need to be in this universe? Did you have to show me this logo for me to 
care about it. I, if this was just a good sci-fi show that everybody likes, it was from the Born Identity guy. That was exactly the same plot. Everything was exactly the same, except maybe the, the designs were a slight bit off. So it wasn't from the same catalog. But like, I feel this feels no attachment to George Lucas. And like, at uh, some point. I don't know. This feels to me like the most Star Wars. No, it's got a lot of Star Wars, Wars stuff. But I'm saying is, why does it have to? Why couldn't it just be like a great show but, that I, mean, I don't I have think to think about George? Like, I don't have to see George Lucas's name on it every time. And why? I know you don't like the prequels, right? But like, why you shit on George Lucas? The, like, what you were just saying, I hate the way he ruined his original trilogy. Yeah, then, but and he then he made ba- he so he made he made one two good movies. He made two good movies in a trilogy, one and a half good movies in a trilogy. And then he was like, ah, but I wished the whole time I could have ruined them. So I waited till they were a success, and then I ruined them. And then I made three prequels that are uh, awful and ruined that franchise. And then we're just going to keep making stuff forever? Like, why do I have to see his name? I think that's just such a misreading of the man. Like, everything you said is true. It's completely factual. That is what happened. But Mm -hmm. I think, again, like, especially when you compare – George Lucas's run of the franchise and just his entire career to like a big company like Disney, right? Like George Lucas made the prequels, not because he wanted to ruin Star Wars or whatever. It was because he literally was changing the way movies were made again, right? It was the impetus behind making the prequels was inventing entire new workflows, entire new processes, literally creating digital cameras, that were invented to shoot the prequels, right? Changing the way that we make movies. That yeah. is what he did. He is like, you cannot like his work or whatever. It, but it like, just feels like somebody was like, if you're like, look, he, they invented the automobile because they wanted a more efficient way to egg your house. Like, I just, like, it's cool that he invented the digital camera for that. Like, that is, like, one of the more embarrassed... Like, at least the original camera was, like, to win a bet and look at a horse. This is, like, no, we wanted to make the next generations of cameras so that we could show you the Senate in Star Wars and we could talk about trade blockades for 40 yeah, I mean, minutes. Look, he's not... He wasn't, like, the best writer or whatever at that point in his life. But, the like, thing that- I still have... I have a lot of respect for George Lucas and as a artist and as a creative... And you, like, just, like, like, the thing that you were just making him. fun of is the thing that like gets me so worked up about George Lucas is the way he screwed with his original movies. And the thing about that that's most important is when I watched those on VHS, uh, they had this interview with him at the beginning and he specifically says, everything I did in these now was what I wanted to do originally but couldn't. And all he's saying there is that the reason the good the movies were good was completely on accident because he didn't have the money to ruin them. And as soon as he got money, he made he proved that that was right by making three terrible movies. The George like Star Wars was good on accident is the most important thing I think you can take away from this story. Yes? Oh, we lost as. Oh, sorry. We I'll put one other thing on it. Oh. Um I th- think i will buy that the thing that did it for him is not the thing that does it for you and also not the thing that does it for most people so yeah. i think like like it's and where anybody like, else. i think the thing that did it for him was creating new cameras and making money i will well look everyone loves making money uh that's great i'm lukewarm on it well maybe you should uh can i have your uh licensing for all your toys and merch then, i mean this please? is why i should right this is why i should be better at it so no, I no, can, no, like, i'll, I'll something... take that you know i i agree the alex falcone name is not going where i will take all licensing rights uh <laughs> what i have on, 
I have a scrunchie that I can give you. And uh, uh, anyway, finish your pitch. Okay, great. Um, so no, I mean, I think that the 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 thing the the cool part of it for him, uh, I think that the you know the the tech part like that that was so. I, there's a much better overlap with the thing that you know, that uh, everyone else liked, I guess, when he had those restrictions and we had those other voices in the room also, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, and then like when he was like off on his own, where it's like, okay, I, I can make the thing I want to make. Turns out the thing that he wanted to make is not the thing that we love in the same way. But I think the thing that's, that's most interesting about Star Wars for me is like everyone basically has their own personal Star Wars, I'm going to say. Like, the, like, the, the, like your brain has been digesting that uh, you know, and all the stuff on it, and like, and and playing up some parts and playing down other parts. Uh, you know, as long as you've been in it, and like, there's not really a Star Wars canon. There's like every, all these individual headcans, I think, because as you've like said, like, oh, I've, I've tossed out this part, right? This is the part that does it for me. And right. I think the idea that like, yeah, the the person who like was in charge of making it, like, oh, I, I hate his version of it. Uh, like, actually, it turns out when he doesn't have the other version, other parts. I also just like that one thing. The reason why when we talk about George Lucas, I get angry is because he was also like a ruthless union buster. His work practices were were awful. He's treated people who's worked for him so badly. He built all of his studios just across the border in Mexico, so he wouldn't have to pay anybody fairly. Like. Everybody who was in the prequel got a hundred dollars and no rights because he made sure to keep the unions out of stuff he did. Like he was a piece of shit. I mean, okay, look, that's not great. Uh, my dad also worked for him; did not have a problem that side, but maybe it was different, different divisions. Right, and it was in a non-unionized position to begin with. But yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so the point was this: this is the letter section. So anyway, so Jay had some feedback from episode one thirty-one. Oh my god, what do we do then? Apparently, we spend a lot of time. We were we were angry. And how much time was spent in the Iliad describing the shield design. And what Jay wants us to know is that we were failing to realize that was an early example of product placement sponsored by the Armorers Guild. Anyway, that, that was my no. favorite piece of feedback from... Um, we still had pacing issues then. We well, like, you know what? Ago, <laughs> you've had, you've had uh, you know, uh, 10 chapters. Like, why is this such a bad pilot? Look, I mean, pacing issues are definitely a thing that I... What that, do you know about Hector? Nothing. <laughs> You know, he cares about his family. That's it. This is very, very true. Okay, we also got an email that I wanted to read from Paul. Uh, Paul says, hi, Alex. A long time. First time. I've been listening since my wife, Annie, told me that you watched Gunhead. And I knew immediately that this was the podcast for me. We've been loving your year-long movie-watching game. And have actually tried to watch along with you guys. Oh, wow. So far, PJ is the only movie we haven't been able to see as it is not available in any form in the UK. But That's you me. watch the girl with the smile, or the girl who laughs, or whatever. Uh, the girl you with talent. That? The girl with talent. Yeah, Look, yeah the one in Russian that we. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, that's funny. We joined the Metreon just so we could have a chance to win the DVD. <laughs> oh yeah, whatever happened Ezra. with that? Did we actually send that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We mailed it to Germany at, yeah. a, at great cost. It got close. Cool. It overshot them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, and we probably forgot we survived and so we've been supporting you ever since. Great. That's perfect. That's the story we like. Um, I just listened to the Princess Mononoke episode. And if you haven't already fixed your target movie, can I suggest not The Illusionist 2007, Edward Norton's tepid CG magic fest, but The Illusionist 2010, the whimsical <laughs> French animated comedy about a hapless stage mu- magician. Huh? Um, I have not heard of this. I had settled on The Illusionist 2007. Um, but I am going to make the promise that if in our final four episodes of the season, we do get near Edward Norton's 2007 illusionist, I will also watch the illusionist from 2010. Cause that sounds awesome. You know, mm-hmm. here's the fun thing. 
Alex, if we continue, I actually do have a card that makes me move via title, via like um, uh, the same oh, thing. Oh, nice. So we can go directly from illusionist to illusionist if we wanted to. That's that's excellent because uh, as Paul adds, I think it would be right up your alley, but it would be almost impossible to get to due to its limited voice cast. Not with a power card, Paul. Not with a power card. Also, Alex, um, I want my power card. Yeah, you'll get a power card. Even if you yeah. don't watch it as part of the podcast, I think you should definitely seek it out. I genuinely love that you, Anthony, Ezra, and Hunter had to say about Princess Mon what you had to say about Princess Mononoke, okay, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. Keep oh. up the good work. Paul in the UK. Thanks, Paul. This movie I will check that out. Neat. I've never heard of that. It's very old-fashioned kind of art style to it. Yeah. Um, I'm very cool. into this. Also, my wife and, will watch anything French, so I think I can sell and, this pretty easily. I gotta say, you know, my biggest problem with Edward Nolan's thing is like, if you're gonna do magic in movies, yeah, don't do, magic. do CG magic. Yeah. Just it's, and you know what? Cartoon, skip that issue because you can't. Yeah. It, it's all gonna be the same thing. It's totally cool. Right. It's totally That's cool great. that way. That's great. And then our last thing we got to do is uh, we have a new meat buddy to thank, as mentioned before, as pronounced properly before. B from Carrie NC and B says. I've been doing, as you know, when you become a meat, a, a meat buddy by going to Metreon.com and you support our show, you get a thank you segment of your choice up to and including um, anything we can do in six minutes. So uh, B says, I've been doing dad film school for my kids who are 10 and 13, which is spiritually related to your condescending film school. Mm. Awesome. So far. Awesome. We've gone through a lot of films so far, but I want each host to name two films that they think are important for aspiring film addicts. Um, so what are your top two films that anybody ages 10 and 13 should watch to become part of the greater longtime film canon? Um, um, as also you have a, a Serbian tale. <laughs> um, I no, mean, you do have to uh, watch Old Boy for sure. Yeah. That's crucial. Uh, I mean, I assume by saying that they've watched a lot of important films that they're not focused on things that are PG-13 or better because uh, yeah. um, it's too limiting. But man, that part scares me. The the, the kid part of this is very, yeah, very well, here's the thing. I think you just pitch it out and then, and then like B will figure out like what's, you well, know, what's no, the I appropriate mean, age. Yeah. yeah. You know, this. I mean, starting with like someone like Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki, right? Yeah, Miyazaki makes obviously. great movies of all ages, but also have like incredible filmmaking things. Um, but yeah, you know, I would go my suggestion, especially for around that age. And if you've already been doing this, you probably covered a lot of these. But I would go with the movies that inspire wonder and in, like the art of like in like the art of filmmaking, like one of my favorite compliments I can give for a movie, right? Like uh, I think one of the best things you can say about a movie when you come out of it is that that's going to be a movie that makes filmmakers. Right. Hmm. So like, I, I remember like when I first saw like Pacific Rim, right. Which is a movie that I think is like pretty fine. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but it, I feel like that's the type of movie that if I saw that at 10 years old, that would make me want to make movies. Mm. Right. And I think that's like the highest. You don't want to make these kids want to consume movies. You want to turn them into like you want to well, ruin their lives me... by making them chase film contracts. <laughs> well, I don't just mean like make movies, but like just love movies, be involved in movies, be interested in how movies are made. Right. I think like Jurassic Park was like certainly that from one of those movies that was that for me. Early Tim Burton films were that for me. Right. Like movies that like made me sort of like understand that like movies can be different and can be wide ranging and showed me something 
magical and new that I've never seen before. And like, I feel like I still chase that high when I go into mm. movies, right? I'm still like looking for like that wonder to like be put back into me. So I would suggest if you haven't, you know, already covered the classics like Jurassic Park. Um, I was very young when I saw movies like Terminator 2, which is certainly a little bit more violent. It's R-rated, but like I think really Terminator good. 2 is a great. All, but you like, have to see Terminator 1 first. I don't know if I did see it in no, that order. I, I, Ma- <sighs> Megan didn't, and Megan was like not surprised when Schwarzenegger helped out. Like, and I think that moment is so cool and powerful. I really think yeah. that you got to you got to loop them together. I'm going to give you yeah. that as a bonus. You get you include both of them, but yeah, Terminators totally. Um, I mean, I have one, uh, the Tim Burton one. Remind me. I mean, I think my favorite Tim Burton movie is Big Fish. Mm. Um, and I I just I mean it's, it's a it's a you know a father son relationship at the heart of it. Uh, I I I really. I really, really love that one. I think, um, and I think there's just, there's a a lot of like really f- uh, cool magical realism stuff. It's like it's 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 it feels. Uh, I love the fairy tale elements of it. Uh, I mm. think that's maybe not a bad age range. Also, that could that could be in there. I wait. Was that two? What was the other one? Uh, I only had one so far. You just the one. What's the other one? Yeah, I don't know. Get, 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 get back around. Okay. Um, well, so obviously the most important thing you can you can show them. Apollo 13. We all know that. One of the greatest films ever made. It'll inspire wonder. It'll make them care about the space program and uh, all of the thing great you can good you can do for humanity. So obviously Apollo right. 13 is up there. I mean, the 10-year-old might be a little young, not for Apollo 13, but I would su- suggest like 13 is kind of a good age, I think, to see like 2001 on a big screen if you haven't seen that mm-hmm. before. Um it's it's certainly you know it's a little bit slower. They might not get it all of it. I also think yeah, like, that sounds tough. I feel like you have to be might, old to like that. This might sound a little crazy, but I think I was about thirteen the first time I saw Clockwork Orange. Um, <laughs> I was I, definitely I mean, like twelve, and I I think I, that's a not a good thing. No, I think that's like the prime age to see that movie. <laughs> I think it's a very mature movie, but it's about. So much. I think like, that's one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, and I think it like There's is some a very good movie to see around that age. Because that movie is about being a teenager. It's about rebellion. It's about the follies of youth, right? And I think it's one of those things that like it hits you harder when you're a teenager than it will as an adult. Um, yeah. I'm on the fence about that one. I read the book and I love the book. And I, because of the book and because of what um, the author has said about the movie, I do not like the movie nearly as much because the movie is missing the 18th chapter of the book, which is the, if you're talking about it as being a thing about teenagehood, is like the most crucial chapter of the book. And I, well, think, yeah, I mean, he was doing a different movie, though. He's, well, he was doing the, he was doing the movie based on the American version of the book where they lopped off the last chapter because they thought it would be more fun if it was violent and didn't have a satisfying ending and so he did not have that chapter when he was making the movie which is very strange the the movie he was making is like a lot of kubrick's work is a is about like the cynical like systems and the way human error will lead to things inevitably going wrong. Like, yeah, was, and it's it is he weird was, for me to recommend to tell a, movie. a different story. Yeah, that's so it, and that's weird for me to be somebody be like, I don't like the story you wrote. I'm going to adapt your book into my story and have it be a different counter story to the story you wrote. And I do think the book is so good, and I think that 18th chapter is what makes the the book so amazing. It's and the it's 21st really, chapter, right? or 21st. Sorry, 21st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
sorry um the 21st chapter is the one that really makes it for me so but yeah i mean also i think that like I mean, one, it's not like he did to Clockwork Orange what, like, Verhoeven did to Starship Troopers, which is straight up, like, no, fuck okay. your work. To it's clear, garbage. I'm going to make rules, fun of it. Though. That was awesome. Yeah. But, like, I mean, Kubrick, like, adapted. All of his stuff was an adaptation. Or almost all of it was. And it was usually, like, Stephen King also really hates his adaptation of The Shining because it wasn't yeah, very yeah, painful. Yeah. But, like, Kubrick, like, adapted stuff by making it his own thing you know yeah, and i do like the shining the movie and i don't think i like the book much but um so my other thing though so i think obviously apollo 13 um this, i'm gonna do three i guess i number two very clearly is who framed roger rabbit and that's that, what i was actually just looking at it works Good. great if for kids and then also has a lot of depth for adults that would like matter more to them later and also i think that has a wonder about filmmaking for me that like of that now you see an animated character in a movie it's not that surprising but to have a 2d animated character in a movie i think would still be impactful and yeah. boy just just love that film so much every time i've come back to it and then i think well, for especially my especially if they if they're at an age and kind of um don't know enough to um not have any frame of reference about what who frame roger rabbit is like mm-hmm. i can imagine being a kid even in 2022 and sitting down to watch a movie that like starts out animated and you're like oh this is an animated movie and then yeah. all of a sudden fucking people show up yeah. and they start like walking around and interacting like i can only imagine what it must be like to see that movie for the first time if you have no idea what you're about yeah. to watch if you have no yeah. idea what the movie is um that must yeah. be very a very cool experience. And then my third thing I would say is there's got to be a Wes Anderson. And for me, it has. I think it has to be Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. which is like one of my favorite things, which is easily my top five favorite movies of all time um, and would work great as a kid. I also think, you know, Moonrise Kingdom is not my, my is, is like lower, a little bit lower for me, but would be so fun for a kid as well. Um, it would be very funny for a 10 and 13 year old. I think they would really appreciate it. Um Oh, but that also reminds me about Coraline. I should also put Coraline on there. I just really love stop motion. Coraline's um, great, but it also just legitimately freaky. Yeah, it's super <laughs> dark, but it, but dark in a way that kids can handle. I yeah. would I would put Coraline on there, maybe with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Anyway, I'm I've got given too many now. I, I got a couple. Uh, so 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 I realized this is. I think this is maybe a perfect movie, and we think we saw this for the show was The Sting. Um, oh mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah, and I like because like, I I want. I mean, I think if, you, you know, if you're getting into movies, it's like you have to kind of like be comfortable going back a little earlier. And I think this is one that's like it's 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 a period piece of the time. And so be, I think it makes it timeless. And like it's just is um, it's just like I it's just such a fun movie to be in, I think, for, for you just you feel music. cool being in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very yes, fair. Right. <laughs> Create a, rag, a ragtime revival, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Um, and I think similar, I guess, where it's like these are movies that are somewhat out of time in the dialogue is very cool. But and and but you know, Anthony, you know what you mentioned, uh, Brick, I think is a really a really wonderful one because it's one this is also low budget, and so if there are like you yeah, know, if you ever want to make a thing, like how can you make something that is very cool um, and like actually would you know like stand its own? And I think having those mm-hmm. like timeless elements, um, I guess, of like this is this is already anachronistic in some ways. Also, you know, you're 13. I mean, I kind of said like the 10 year old might be too young to watch some of this stuff, but yeah. the 13 year old might be a little too old, maybe already jaded enough to enjoy this. But like a 10 year old is a really good age if you were interested in showing them like 
like the Marx Brothers duck soup or like an old Buster mm-hmm. Keaton or Charlie Chapman short, right? Like they're silent films or they're like early black and white comedies, but like especially like 10 years old, the Marx Brothers, because so much of it is physical comedy, so much of it is like really clever, simple wordplay yeah. or like really weird visual gags. Um, I think like that's a really good age to show them if you want. And like your kid will have cool brown, like, you know, like film points being like, yeah, I watched uh, Duck Soup with my dad when I was 10. Uh, <laughs> and it like made me love comedy or whatever, you know, like there is like that's a good age to go back. If you want to show them like really old stuff um, that is so foundational for modern comedy and like the Mox Brothers holds up so well. I mean, even like something like the Three Stooges, which is like something that's definitely kind of more like simple or lowbrow or whatever, still like. You know, a pie in the face or being poked in the eyes is still funny, no matter the time period, right? So, like, <laughs> I think, like that's a good time, to- good genre and stuff to go back to, um, especially maybe like the Busta Keaton stuff that is like incredible stunts that, like, you know, if you look at like the general with the train when he's like tossing the logs off the front, like that is just still impressive in 2022 because it was like something he was actually doing and if he yeah, fucked it up I mean, he would have died you know i don't know how a 10 or 13 year old who have been watching cg stuff for their whole lives would feel about this but my and i don't want to be an old man about it but i stick I, i'm so fat i'm so passionate about this but i do think as much practical stuff as you can show them like real effects practical effects stuff um stop motion like getting things that are just physically beautiful objects and incredible, impressive things and not CG, I think is really helpful, but that'd be my feeling, but I don't want to be the guy who's like, you can only watch cartoons from the thirties. Like that's also not good. (laughs) Yeah, no, but it holds up really well. And I I guess I'll toss in right on, not on, not a movie, but the every frame of painting uh, YouTube channel is just really good for, I think, understanding how some of these different things like, you know, like some of the physical comedy or, um, you know, maybe how some scores are working just like, yeah, really good way like i think I, I i understood some some things that were going on that i did not get uh as a result of that i so. mean such an important thing for me and caring about film was dvd special features and so i do think some house stuff is made youtube is a crucial side project to this to see like watch it because i love Leica movies I, kubo and the two strings is another one where it's like one of the most beautiful things ever created by humans and i feel like one of the things that really really adds to it is watching behind the scenes footage where somebody is standing in a pirate ship that goes up to their waist and building the like having the logs explode one by one or or like i actually got to see the leica exhibit in a museum where they should where you had a bunch of props from these different movies and just being able to see the physical things is so cool so yeah some some sidecar that would have been on a dvd special feature i think is crucial all right, yeah. we have to wrap it up. That's it for B from NC. I hope that helps you with your uh, your your kids' film school. And I love dad film school. I think it's a fun project. And uh, also uh, could totally backfire. Maybe your kids will hate movies because of it, right? Isn't that how it works? Because you like it? I don't know. It'll be all about uh, TV now, right? Yeah, or... take, take your shots. Yeah, they're, they're really into Magazine. the theater. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. And thank you so much for becoming a meat buddy. You can become a meat buddy by going to metreon.com. And we appreciate everybody who supports our show. That is it for today. We'll be back again next week. Next week, we're going to actually do episode 39, The Virgin Suicides. Next week will be beginning of the end. It's our final round of episodes before the game is complete. 
and I'm excited to watch Virgin Suicides. I think it'll be a nice holiday movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, seems like a good good time to be enjoying that. Uh, you can. Uh, Send us feedback as always, podcast at read-weep.com. We appreciate you sticking around uh, as Esdor. Thanks for hanging out. Pleasure. And T0N4, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting Star Wars with us. Happy to be here, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, I they because they call robots by these call nut signs, but like R2D2 is like the the model number, right? Like, are there a thousand? But then no, you meet the other ones, and they're like, there are other R two units. Unit. That's yeah. an R two unit. But there's the they made the D two is like a you know there's a bunch of different like things. Right, there. but this is a very limited number of names you have from that. You might have other numbers or, or letters we don't know about. Maybe there's there, there's like a maybe their outfits are huge. Maybe they got but, like that pin that symbol. Could, that could be. Or are there repeats? Are there multiple? Some dupes. Yeah, there's well, gotta be some dupes. The real like how, like, is where does where do droids get their personalities from in the Star Wars universe? Oh, that's a good question. You know, where I does that? It's an AI thing where they like they're given a certain set of parameters and then they like learn and, and evolve. It could but... be a droid god. Could be droid god. Also, a great <laughs> guess. Yeah, these are all good options. Um, all right, we'll be talking. We'll go back to the we'll go back to the universe universe next week. We'll get back out of this old timey thing. Um, we'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.